0: Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVone, and this is a happy, hippie place for talking all things magic, witches and fiction, and creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 414 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick Ass Witch, putting the K in magic and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit. And you can pick a big copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode back on Blog Talk Radio where you will also find a link to today's special guest, author Lori Forrest, the author of The Black Witch Chronicles, and you will also find a link to Derek Schmidt who created this really cool audio version of the major arcana i'm gonna share one of those cards aka songs with you here at the end of the episode but i wanted to mention it here up front too so that you would stick around it's super weird in the very best way and i think you all are gonna dig it Before we get rolling, though, let me thank the amazing people who are supporting the podcast over on Patreon. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you to the first four of you who signed up for the Dream Team. I am so excited to get started on the Dream Team this September. For those of you who have not heard what the Dream Team is... It is the latest tier on Patreon. I got rid of all the coaching on my website. I deleted all the coaching packages to make time to be able to write my own witchy fiction series. We're going to be talking about a really fun witchy fiction series here today that Lori Forrest wrote, but that is my dream too, and I've really been for years now trying to figure out how to make my business work, how to be the mother of a special needs adult, and how to fulfill this dream of mine all at the same time. It has been an interesting juggling act. I will say Lori definitely gives me the inspiration to make it work, figure it out, because as you will hear during this interview, she has a pretty intense day job. I'm not going to tell you what that is. I'll just leave it as a surprise. But And she has four kids. And she managed to write five books in this series so far. So if Lori can do it, I can find a way. And opening up the dream team and getting rid of my coaching packages was me getting to take another step toward that dream because it will free up time in my schedule. So if you want to join the Dream Team, there are only 10 spots, 6 spots now available as of the recording of this, and what you get is you get one coaching call a month with me. You get a group mastermind session mid-month. I'm really excited to get into those. We're going to be using Zoom, so you can show up on camera or or just in audio if you want for that. And then you get, of course, all of the content from all of the other tiers and every single thing that I ever create on Patreon ever, ever, ever. So if you have a special dream in your heart and you want to take it to the next level, follow the link. There will be a link to the dream team here. And join us. Join us. We are going to kick ass. I'm telling you, it's going to be epic. I'm super excited about it. I get chills every time I talk about it. And then I have to think new patrons there's quite a few of you yay i'm so excited thank you donna or momorella sorry for botching your name there donna maria v queen amy morgan stern miranda queen miranda yay you're back miranda is one of the greatest people i have ever met through hippie witch and that is the truth Welcome, Sonia Harbridge and Misty. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for helping the kid and I keep the lights on. I also just went and read the latest reviews that some of you have left on iTunes. Thank you so much. I've played around with reading those on air, but it embarrasses me because you guys say the sweetest It gets me choked up, too. So thank you to those of you who took the time to say all of those beautiful things about the show. I love you, too. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And you helped the show because the more reviews a show has, the more people find it. So thank you for helping me spread the word about Hippie Witch. Okay, so now it is time to spread the word about the Black Witch Chronicles, which is the young adult novel series that I got into at the very beginning of the year, and the next book in the series is coming out this fall, so I've actually been sitting on this interview for a few months now, biding my time, when would be a good time to share it, win, win, win. I knew it was going to take some editing, too, because we had, I think I was talking to Lori, I think she was on a phone line when we were doing this interview. It turned out fabulously, but there were extra, lots of extra little Pops and clicks that I knew I was going to sit there for hours editing out, which I don't mind because I want this to be as good of a listening experience for you all as I can possibly make it. Lori, Lori delivers. This is a really fun interview with an inspiring person. The reason I find her inspiring, and I guess I don't want to give spoilers for the interview ahead here right up front, but I just want to say... This is a person with a pretty mundane day job, an intense day job, who just got an idea one day. She didn't think of herself as a writer, and she couldn't let the idea go. And now here we are, five books in to this bug that she got. She got a traditional publishing deal, and these books are making their way around the world. I find that thrilling and super inspiring. And I hope you'll stick around for the whole interview, because in the beginning, I, I did not mean to go here, but she mentioned the controversy around the books. And apparently, somebody got an early copy of the book, and, the, and of the first book, The Black Witch, and she had a pretty big following on social media, and she said the book was problematic. I think she said the book was racist. And she said this publicly, and so a mob of one-star reviewers (laughs) came after the book. Like, a bunch of people came after the book before it was even published. So they hadn't read it. And many of those reviews that I went and looked up, they openly begin with statements like, I did not read this book, but I don't have to read it to know that it is bad, which I find very interesting. Interesting. Should, what do you all think about this? We discussed this during the interview, but do you think that people should be allowed to leave reviews on books they have not read? I feel like that's dangerous. I feel like you have, my opinion, it's just my personal opinion. Lori actually expresses a different opinion, which you might find surprising. My personal opinion is that you have to read the damn book before you get to say if it's good or bad. That's the rule, okay? That's the hippie witch rule. But Lori actually defends those people's right to leave bad reviews and actually says that they're fighting the good fight. She's on their side, even though they came after her book, which is so interesting. She is doing her damnedest to be a good ally to people of color, people of minority religions, people who have been othered for their sexuality or gender orientation, and that. Actually, is why she wrote the book in the first place. And I love that she's so open to learning from sensitivity readers. There are quite a few sensitivity readers that worked on this book series. She's open to bad reviews because she likes to keep The conversation she raised by bringing up these touchy touchy issues in this series, she likes to keep the conversation going. And it is a series that has racist characters in it. It addresses racism, but even more than that, it's about religious oppression, which I think you all might be able to appreciate, sexism and cultural prejudice. It's about how the programs you may have received as a child about the bad bad otherness of other people can not only lead to segregation but terrible violence and war i personally really loved the team of Freedom fighters that start gathering as the story progresses. And then I just wanted to emphasize, this is a really fun book. It's epic fantasy. It's not in your face with anything that I just talked about. That's what you get from it when you when you think more about it after you've put the book down. But it's really just a fun, quick-paced, epic fantasy with lots of romance. And one of my favorite things about it is the world-building the world building is swoon worthy. It is so gorgeous, which is a weird thing to say about a book. <laughs> it's gorgeous in my mind. She really captured my imagination that way. And for those of you thinking, it, thinking of checking it out, just know this. It's heavy on the romance. And it's definitely a young adult book, in my opinion, it in that it, it expresses repeatedly all those first flutters of teenage romance, those longing glances and insecurities that seem so pressing when you're young. So like all books, it's not for everybody. It's not for people who quickly grow impatient with that kind of thing. But I think today's episode will prove it is definitely a book for me. I loved it, and I'm still loving it, and eagerly awaiting the next installment this fall. So let's get into talking to Lori, shall we? Here she is, Lori Forrest. Hi, Lori! Welcome to Hippie Witch! Hi, thank you for having me. This is, it feels like it's been a really long time in coming because I've been wanting to talk to you since early this year and it, it's june now because i fell madly madly <laughs> madly madly in love with your ya fiction let me just say i'm a 45
1: year old mother <laughs> there's 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 many there's many um a lot of crossover actually the adults liking the series which is cool
0: oh has that happened
1: oh yeah a lot I
0: was I was just reading I'm signed up to an agent's newsletter and she was saying people often pitch to her that they have a YA book with crossover potential, and she's like, I don't think you all know what that means, and also there's really no deciding what crossover potential is, but what they typically are trying to say is that it's for YA, but adults would like it too, and she's like, no, that's not how it works. There's just kind of some magic (laughs) to, to when that happens, so you got the magic.
1: Well, I um when I first was writing the series, I was actually not writing it for YA. Um, I think it just kind of fell there because um, it's not really graphic um, and it's about somebody who's very young as a protagonist. so Oh,
0: well, that could have something to do with it. It's the first book in the series, so people know what we're talking about is The Black Witch. And the way the Black Witch came to me was by Twitter. Cheyenne Nicole, a.k.a. Witch Warrior on Twitter, tweeted me on the last day of 2018 (laughs) to say, I was listening to one of your episodes about books and how you said you would read anything if it had witches in it. And then she said, read the Black Witch Chronicles by Lori Forrest. It's amazing. And now here we are because I've read... All of the books you've put out
1: so far now. Well, thank you.
0: And I also do not like reading hardcover or Kindle, and you've made me do both, woman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A little old lady uh in her in her eighties that wrote to me and and learned how to use Kindle so she could read Wanfasted and Light Mage. So (laughs) that's
0: such a delightful thing that you have done. So the the (laughs) sequel to The Black Witch is the Iron Flower. And when I finished The Black Witch, I was very sad. I thought, oh, Great. Now I have to wait for the next yeah. one to come out and then come to find out no, it was out on hardback. So I quickly bought that, read it. I, they go fast because it's epic fantasy. Yeah. And they're so well paced, it's hard to slow yourself down. Like you just want to gobble them up. And then you also have these novellas. Yeah. I think to try to tide us over, but what you've really done is just made us want more. <laughs> And they are the light mage and the rebel mages. Wait, is that right?
1: Well, um... Light Mage and Wandfasted are prequel novellas, right. but I wrote, I was supposed to write novellas, but I wrote full-length novels, and they were so popular that they um, put them into actual book form, and the title of that is The Rebel Mages, so The Rebel Mages has both those books in it.
0: Right, okay, so Wandfasted and Light Mage, I read in e-book format, and they really continue to round out the world. And I think that people could read them out of order, which is really interesting, and, and not feel lost. Yeah, I think so, too. Have you found that some people
1: enter through the ebooks? Yeah, they do. I mean, they can be read in any order, but I like if people read The Black Witch first. It would be a slight preference, because I feel like you go into the world cold, and you just don't know anything about it. Oh, yeah, uh, I would recommend that, too, for sure. Yeah.
0: So why don't you tell us what the Black Witch is about?
1: Well, the Black Witch is about a um young woman named Eleryn Gardner, who is growing up in an extremely closed, conservative, magical society. And she's the granddaughter of the Black Witch, the greatest military mage her people have ever known. But unlike her powerful grandmother, Eleryn is thought to not have any magical wand power. When she finally gets a chance to pursue her dream of becoming an apothecary and travel to a university with all different types of people in it. She leaves her really sheltered world for the first time and encounters people from outside of her, her um, group of Gardnerian mages. And she quickly finds out that the world is a pretty um, treacherous place for the granddaughter of the Black Witch because her grandmother uh, is certainly not well-loved by the people outside of her closed group.
0: Right. So she's a hero in her own tribe, and then she leaves the safety of that and finds out she's the enemy.
1: Yeah, and she also, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but finds out that maybe um, maybe all the things she's been taught by her very powerful conservative society, um, maybe all of those things aren't exactly true.
0: Right, yeah. It's hard to interview... Someone who writes epic fantasy without giving away spoilers.
1: I, I was trying to think, like, how do we talk about this? <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, the, the, that's been one of the things. The problems about it having sparked so much controversy is among non-readers mainly. People that have actually read the book, the, the vast majority review it very well. But the problem with that whole thing is the discussion uh, around the book has given away a lot of spoilers. So it's good if people can go into those books cold yeah. not read to- about them first.
0: You know what? I did. I was completely innocent of there being any controversy at yeah. all. And just based on that... I- people recommend books to me all the time because they know I love... I call it witchy fiction. It's like my (laughs) special little corner of the world that I love to read. And so people recommend books all the time and they usually just go on my ever-growing to-read list. But something about that recommendation just hit me at the right time and I just bought it and read it and then I was off exploring the whole world and having a fantastic time before I realized anybody else... Was having this. I, I feel like they were very young and they did not read the books that it that the controversy came up around the name, the Black Witch, and what. I actually wasn't even going to talk with you about this because I've heard you talk about it before, and I didn't want to give you a hard time about it. But oh, we... I'll, I'll talk about anything. But talk about talk about whatever
1: you'd like. Okay. Probably.
0: Okay. Well, what's interesting is the things that people had a problem. Clearly, people who did not read the book, in my opinion, reading what they had to say about it. They just I can't see how they could have read the books and, and had the opinion that the books had racist content in it because it's actually about the opposite of that, in my opinion. It's about religious repression, the perils of dogma, fear of the other, overcoming cruelty. It's certainly not racist, but I think what happened is maybe the title, The Black Witch Threw People, and they expected, as I did, actually, when I first saw the title, I thought, this is going to be a book about the Black Witch. In my, in my mind, I was thinking a woman of color immediately is what came to mind. So maybe they picked the book up, got a little far into it, and was like, wait a minute. Yeah she's not black in the way i expected her to be she's actually greenish but that's a <laughs> well, they, well as you know they wear
1: their their society wears exclusively black clothing you know uh very like almost like the puritans and as you find out later on in the books it was just a name given to the the great black witch the first black witch by her enemies actually because they all
0: wore black because of her because of her clothing And their hair, I guess, too, don't they have? And their hair,
1: too, yeah, sure.
0: So was that an issue when you were creating the – did you ever have that thought, or did your editors or publishers –
1: No, that – I don't think that really – I mean, maybe that was an issue for a few people, but the vast majority of the people that have – like over 90%, maybe over 95% of the people that have an issue with the book haven't read it. And
0: they say that. That's what kills me. I haven't read it and I won't read it, but here's my opinion yeah. about it. It's like, wait a well, minute. You don't get to have an opinion if you haven't read it.
1: Do you, do you want to talk about the controversy? I don't, I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, go for it. All right. Well, um, I'm sorry. You're getting office noises here a little bit. So I uh, wish I could turn that off. I don't know
0: if I can. Are you a teacher or are
1: you working in an office? I'm a dentist and I thought it'd be quiet here. Shut the front door. <laughs>
0: oh. What? You're a yeah, dentist?
1: Yeah. I'm a dentist,
0: yeah. Oh my God. Can we talk about that? you want to but i don't know if it's that interesting but it's are you kidding me are you kidding me the author of the black witch is a dentist and that's not interesting <laughs> i think you're wrong about that
1: all right so um the controversy um you know when when we started sending the book out the trade reviewers starred reviews started pouring in because the, of the book's anti-prejudice message but you really do need to read the entire book to see and I don't want to give away too much about that because it'll, it'll spoil it, actually. A um, bookstore worker got hold of an advanced copy of the book and hated it, and hated it, and found it very offensive, and um, was very offended by, um, you know, a lot of it was quotes from the people that are bad guys in my book. She didn't like it, which is, you know, her right to not like it. The, the problem is she was very, uh, pretty popular online, and. There was a lot of encouraging of people who hadn't read the book, because the book wasn't out yet, to one start on Goodreads, and so about 700 people who had not read the book one started on Goodreads and went on a campaign to get people not to read it, saying it was a very dangerous book, and then the book came out a few months later, and people actually started to read it, and over 95% of the people that actually read it thought it was a great book and that it was a pretty strong anti-prejudice message. And, you know, four- and five-star reviews started pouring in to the point that now I have like, I mean, the book has like four and five star average reviews on pretty much every single site. Yeah, so, I've seen that on Amazon. Great, glowing reviews. Yeah, and it's still, it's still pretty much people that talk extensively about against the book, um, pretty uniformly, except for maybe a handful of cases, have not read it. So it's it's interesting because a major theme of the series is that it's really important to dig deep and look closely before forming prejudices, before falling into beliefs and stereotypes of people, to really slow down and really learn about things and look at things and question what you've been taught. And I feel like, in a way, the whole controversy and the discussion around it really plays into those themes in real time, because this is a perfect example of that.
0: Isn't that—it's not even ironic. It's just so on the nose. It's just perfect. Yeah. How, how did you experience that? Were you very hurt at first, or did it just kind of roll off your back?
1: Oh, no, it was definitely um, difficult, but I think the thing that made it easy over time or easier was the fact that this really was confined mostly to people that hadn't read the book, with a, with a very few um, exceptions. It really was a case of, You know, somebody that, you know, has a popular following who maybe can form a mob. I'm not trying to discount the very real concerns of non-readers who are trying to you know, point out problems in books. The Black Witch had nine sensitivity readers. We did change the book quite a bit before it went to print, and all my other books have multiple sensitivity readers. That the books are so much better because of that input of um, from people of many different cultures, many different um, races, many different backgrounds. That and I re- rewrote all of my books multiple times based on that feedback, and I'm so glad for it.
0: That's fascinating. Can you explain to people who don't know what sensitivity readers
1: are? Well, a sensitivity reader can, for example, if you're writing a book about, oh, any type of prejudice. In my case, it's fantasy, but it still applies because, oh, for example, you don't want to be uh, promoting sexism inadvertently. Oh, you wouldn't want to necessarily be promoting the idea that people with dark skin are always, you know, the people oppressed. You know, if you want, you can play with those ideas in that you not promote tropes that would kind of follow real-world oppression. Right. Um, fantasy is a ch- a chance to look at problems with religion or problems with culture and really strive to look at that in a way that you can kind of put it in a fantasy context so you can look at it a little more objectively right. uh, and also uh, hopefully not promote stereotypes.
0: So in a case like the Black Witch, your readers would be,
1: what, like, Muslim, people
0: of color, women? Yeah,
1: well, I'll give you an example. There was, um, later on in the series, a um, an assassin, who I didn't mean for the person to look Arab, but uh, a sensitivity reader, who felt like Maybe they looked a little Arab, in the, or could be interpreted. So I purposely made that person blonde. The last thing I wanted to do certainly would be to um, even trip off, you know, these these harmful, you know, racist tropes that exist in our world. So. Um, and also, um, you know, how, how women present themselves. You know, the romance was tricky because um, Lucas Grey is a, a pretty a pretty flawed character in the series, and that's been a little tricky, his character, having to tone him down a little bit, because they certainly don't want to seem to be promoting, oh, sexism or a sexist way of relating to someone. It's, tri- it's, it's tricky. These are nuanced conversations, and I, I'm— I've really grown as a person from working with sensitivity readers. You know, it's not always easy. You really have to base your own blind spots, but it's made the book so much better.
0: That is so cool that you're open to that and that you rewrote the book so many times. Many times. It's amazing. That's really cool. I love that about you. I love, too, I, I did listen to one interview you did before, and I this is why I wasn't going to bring up the controversy, because it's already been brought up, and you Addressed it so eloquently, but what I loved was you were defending people's right to leave bad reviews. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, yeah. I don't want to give the impression that the original reviewer did anything wrong by hating my book. I think that's that's absolutely anyone's right to do, and I would absolutely defend their right to do it. And I, again, I feel like the people that kind of uh, mobbed up and and left these one one star reviews, I, I probably, if I met them, would agree with them about most things, and I probably would agree with the the changes that they want to see happening in publishing. And I think actually, if they actually if they read my series, they might be surprised. Oh, I think they'd be
0: very surprised. Yeah. Yeah, I think they would actually really like it. But it's hard once you dig your heels in and you publicly make statements to
1: then actually be like, oh, no, I was wrong. Yeah, but I, I do think they're, they're trying to fight the good fight. And um, yes, I, I do feel like publishing is better for it. You know, I, obviously, I don't I don't think it's a good idea to I personally don't think it's a good idea to review books before you've read them. I think that's the one piece in this that I would take out and maybe say reflect on. Mm-hmm. But everything else, though, I think is an important conversation. Well, I mean, that's an important conversation, too, reviewing, reviewing books before yeah. uh, reading. Yeah.
0: I think it was in, it must have been that interview where I heard you say something about Voldemort and how you were imagining if Voldemort won, what would that yeah. work be like? Yeah, and, yeah. And so I can see how when you're starting a series from that place, Voldemort 1, this is how the world is now, and you're building that up so people understand this is the mindset, this is what people are operating under, if you don't get past that part, you might think it's an endorsement.
1: Right. I definitely thought it was interesting, the idea of um, having the character start in the place where she grew up in this world, and she'd only been taught the things that, you know, the evil lord, in this case the black witch, or, you know, this this really repressive society that's really prejudiced. She'd only been taught those things. Because I think that any one of us raised in a society like that, as much as we all would like to believe that we would, you know, magically always make the right choices, I feel like it would be, you know, I feel like it would be easy for any one of us raised in situations like that to start out from this point of really bad ideas and really harmful ideas. I mean, we're seeing that in the world all over the place. So I think this, these are actually in, really important conversations to be having.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, my own personal reality growing, I've changed my mind so many times because I was raised in a bubble and high school, my high school was so mixed. It was so huge that I was encountering people that were not from my bubble. And it was shocking.
1: Yeah, I was raised in a similar way. I was raised. That's why, you know, Black Witch is not so much about racism although I think there is racism in The Black Witch. It's more about cultural prejudice and religious prejudice.
0: Yes, religious repression, I think.
1: Yeah, and I I feel like I grew up in a very conservative religious environment and very sexist, very repressive, and, you know, all those things, you know, homophobic, etc., you know, taught that people of other religions are heathens. These are really dangerous ways to be raised, and I think they're very dangerous ways for societies to take on because then, you know, it becomes very easy to bomb other people and not think twice about it. It becomes really easy to oppress other people and not think twice about it. And that's really what I'm trying to get at in my story, but also make it entertaining with romance and all this stuff, because if it's not fun to read, I mean, nobody's gonna wanna entertain those messages. But um, it's also just me you know, wanting to have a discussion with myself, with other people about these, these things that I think are really important. I do feel like a conversation about how, you know, very strict religious ideas that are repressive are dangerous. Is an important one right now because we're seeing this happening, you know, all over the place, and also nationalism. I'm throwing nationalism in there too. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. What, what are the dangers there?
0: It definitely, definitely touches on all of that without being preachy. It is. That's why I was saying I could read it so quickly. I mean, it just goes by so fast. It's like watching a movie. You get really involved, and I, I'm wondering because of the Voldemort reference, is is Harry Potter what made you first? want to write a series like what was the spark for you that made you want to actually write a magical fantasy series
1: well my i'd never read fantasy before i'd only read mostly classics and nonfiction. my kids when they were preteens i have four daughters and they started begging me to read harry potter and i i said no for like two years and finally um after having harry potter themed birthday parties etc i finally broke down (laughs) and and read the first book and i just i read all of them like within like two months, I think. I was lucky. I, they were out. <laughs> so I got to, I get to read them. But um, they were phenomenal. And I, I never encountered fantasy. I thought it was a lot of fun. I started reading everything they handed me that was fantasy. But I, I really liked also how J.K. Rowling um, talked about serious issues in a fantasy context. And at this around the time that I was being introduced to the fun of fantasy and just the excitement and adventure of it, this new genre for me, There was a fight going on in Vermont for uh, marriage equality. Which is is where you live, we should add. Yeah, it started in Vermont. The spearhead of the fight started with civil unions was the spearhead. And because it was the spearhead of the fight nationally, huge amounts of money flowed in to fight civil unions to stop it before it gained traction. And my husband and I, um, our kids are adopted, and we got to know a lot of gay couples. Um, Our kids were growing up with children of many gay couples We care a, lot, care a lot about them. And so we got involved because we wanted them to have the right to have a civil union. And later on, we wanted them to have the right to marry. And so we got very involved. And I couldn't believe the amount of hatred that came out of the woodwork. I was stunned. I was really stunned. We, we ourselves, on a more minor scale, we had somebody come and um, run over the, the... We had signs that said, Love makes a family with rainbows on our front lawn. And somebody came in the middle of the night, And with a big pickup truck and just ran over them over and over and purposely tore up our whole lawn with a pickup truck. Um, And that was just like a... That was tiny compared to what gay friends and lesbian friends dealt with. But I got... I was was so angry. You know, here I didn't realize that anger was just... I was so angry at the way people were treated during that time. And just seeing that prejudice was really ugly and really awful. It just got really bad. There were out-of-state groups that, that that bought these um, full-page ads in the paper saying horrible things about, you know... Um people who are gay, and it was just horrible. The horrible things that said at the state house, you get a picture of people there on the other side, you know, you know, the same-sex couples with their children, their little children, hearing these horrible things. It was awful. It was awful. You know, I, so I guess there's two things. The, the, the happy side of it, you know, reading all this great fantasy, but then on the other hand, I started to think of this story that was really prompted by seeing this awful prejudice firsthand, and I just started to think to myself, you know, in a general terms, what if what if all the religions in, in in this world hated people with wings for no reason? What if in their holy books it had this thing about oh the people with wings are evil? There's no real reason for it; they just did. And what if I started the story there? And they're the uh, evil demons. The, yeah, and there's, there's no good reason for it, but just it made its way into the mythology of the world now, and it kind of branched off from there. And I started to think about all all other all these other prejudices that I had been. Raised with, and why I think they're dangerous, and why they they were dangerous in my own life. You know, light mage um, is really talking about you know how I was raised to accept sexism, to accept that idea that there's two types of women, good girls and bad girls who are sluts. Uh, just and how how being raised in an, an oppressive environment just sets young women up for abuse. And I want to talk about that too. And so I'm I'm basically throwing. Everything that I like about fantasy and everything that really bothers me into this series. So, uh, clearly, it touched a nerve and got some conversations going.
0: It really did. And you touched on all of that so beautifully. Well, thank you. you did I'm
1: hoping a- can end it end it well because we're going to pull the environment in soon.
0: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you telling me the last... Book is the next book.
1: I'm not quite sure yet. I'm, my publisher hasn't completely decided. I, my next book I had about 800 pages. We might actually have to expand the series a little bit, but we're not sure yet. Oh, please
0: do! I don't. Yeah. I don't it's want it definitely. to be the. the I, it can't be the last book. I'm having yeah. so much
1: fun. Hopefully, I'll, I'll end it strong because I, I feel like I've started strong here. So, we'll see.
0: You know what's interesting? <laughs> my book list is so. Long, But when the next book comes out, I think I'm actually going to (laughs) read the first two again just to get (laughs) back into the world and just enjoy the whole thing all over again because I really had a good time. I had so much fun, and it's a world that I – you know, I'd like to go back and read some things that I don't think I – totally got what was happening and do you know what I mean like it goes on and you realize oh that thing that she said in the first book yeah. you know like I want to revisit it now that I know actually like what some of those things were that you very
1: cleverly said there was, there's a lot of little hints in the books that kind of give away hints but not too many people guessed some of the big big reveals till they happened I was surprised
0: yeah you did a good job you did a good job how fun was it to make up the Gardnerians and the Celts and Verpatia and the the Northern and Southern Spine, like, coming up with all those names and places.
1: Oh, it was so much fun. I mean, I just pulled every landscape thing I like, and, you know, I I think, uh, you know, the Western realm clearly looks like Vermont, but I think um, what's fun about the Eastern realm is I've been reading all this adult fantasy, you know, branching out, and realizing I don't have to stay with a landscape that looks like Vermont. I could have purple forest i could have you know any type of landscape i can dream up so i think i'm gonna break out of that a little bit in the eastern realm and try and do something interesting with the landscape
0: oh yeah i'm excited to see the eastern realm i've seen you do some fun teases on twitter like some pictures you'll find it it kind of what your idea of what it it should look like looks a lot like what i was thinking it should look like so I, i feel like you're pretty in sync with your readers that way
1: yeah, it's it'll be interesting. I definitely want to try and pull it more in a fantasy direction. I think my springboard, my kids are adopted from Vietnam, so my springboard for the Eastern Realm was a, like kind of Vietnamese-inspired, but I think I certainly um, don't want to cross over into... Appropriation type of thing. So I think I'm going to try and pull that a little bit more into fantasy and maybe if there's a little bit of appreciation there, I think that's okay. But I, am certainly looking forward to working with a sensitivity reader on
0: that. And you've got your four, your four daughters. I thought you just had two, four and they've been a big help. I mean, they're the ones that got you started first of all on Harry Potter. So thank you very much
1: four daughters, yes, wherever yes. you are. They got me hooked on fantasy. What's been their experience with this whole process? Love fantasy. They love the books. They they've helped me edit them a bit. They they're actually really good editors. Two aren't super into fantasy, so you know that's okay. Yeah, and
0: your and your mom. <laughs> it's mom doing the mom, mom thing. Yeah,
1: no, uh, they. The, my one daughter when the book came out, she, she was she was. um well, she was a few years younger. She said that it's a little weird to read romance written by your mom. She just, like, <laughs> pretends that I'm not her mom, that, it's, that she loves it and it's fine. Uh, but they've certainly been extremely supportive of, um, you know, what I'm doing here, so...
0: Mm-hmm. one of the ebooks is very sexy. I'm I'm forgetting which yeah. is which uh, one was particularly sexy, but I thought you did a really good job using like any window and suggestion more than graphic details.
1: Well, yeah, it's 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 YA, and I don't have a problem with, with graphic. Like, Sarah J. Maas, I think it, they're awesome, those books. But I think for this series, you know, probably we're going to be a little bit more, uh, probably a little more fade to black. But I think it's still, um, it's still room to... To play around with romance, I think.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's been very strange as an adult woman finding that, like, hey, YA is just my speed. It started with Twilight for me, <laughs> which was very surprising. But I I was intrigued by the movie trailer. I right. loved the colors that Catherine Hardwick used, and I I really love her as a director, and so I I snuck the movie. I hid it from my <laughs> husband because I didn't want him to know I was watching Twilight. Light. And then I got so I just loved the movie so much that I read as many books had come out because I had the the movie in my head. And then of course, like that led me to Harry Potter, and 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 here we are talking about the Black Witch. I find it's I like the pacing of it. I like I think I like the innocent hopefulness. And the courage of young people, I yeah. I relate to that. that. When you're brand new, you know, and, and you still have a lot of fight in you, I think that a yeah. lot of characters in Young Adult, they, they have that fight. And it's it's exciting.
1: Yeah, I wanted Elrond to definitely be a very blank slate because that was important to be able to make the narrative work.
0: Mm-hmm. My favorite character, though, is not the star of the show. It's Diana. <laughs> Everybody loves Diana. Oh my gosh! Let me, without any spoilers, I'm just gonna tell <laughs> future readers <laughs> to put a bookmark in the name Diana because she's she says everything that she thinks, and she's yeah. she's all about I'm fabulous, mm-hmm. ha- and then confused about how people respond to a woman saying like I'm strong, I'm the fastest, I'm the best, <laughs> I'm amazing. Let me walk <laughs> around naked, and then you can admire yeah. how amazing I am, and it, and it's. It's funny people's reactions to that, but also she just doesn't even have a shred of shame about any of it.
1: Yeah, she is I think she's was the most fun character to write because I think I, I very much not like Diana and I had a blast writing her character.
0: You must You must have some Diana deep down inside that wants to break free. Uh, well don't we all maybe I don't know. Yeah, I think that's that's the secret. Yeah. That's right there. Yeah. <laughs> I also I have not listened to the audiobooks except to listen to a preview, but I think they're all Unaudible.
1: They're phenomenal. They're 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 so phenomenal. I I'm actually listening to um, the Iron Flower for the first time right now, and I am just. Floored by the job that Julia Whalen did, and the other narrators I've had have been just as phenomenal. So I, I've really looked out with my my narrators.
0: I listened to the first sample of the Black Witch, and I was like, "Oh, this is so fun!" Because clearly, who I don't know the narrator's name, but she's definitely an actress. Like she's playing the it's part.
1: She's incredible. Yeah, she's done some. She's. I was lucky to get these people. I mean, um, Julia Whalen's done some some big name authors books like Nora Roberts so i I'm humbled by working with such talent.
0: hmm How fun is it then to hear? they they The books, to me, read like movies, and then when you hear what's going on with the Audible books, they're like audio movies. I don't know. It feels very
1: movie-like. Do you have movie ambitions? Well, you know, I would love to see it go to film. I definitely, when I'm writing, have a very strong cinematic sense going on in my mind the whole time. Mm-hmm.
0: I would love to ask you about yourself too, beyond your books. You just shocked the heck out of me when you got a phone call and I was like, Are you a teacher? Do you work in an office? You're like, no, I'm a dentist. So, what? How are you the mother of four girls and a dentist? And you wrote all of this? Where in the world are you getting this time?
1: How did you do this? And what? <laughs> A lot of it was like sitting in the parking lot, waiting for their buses to get in from their sporting events and actually that's that's actually true. A lot of it was just sitting waiting in cars for all their their activities. And just I, don't, I just got all, I, I just got all fired up reading that fantasy and I had this idea that wouldn't let me go this idea about writing this book about prejudice, I just, I couldn't let go of it. I would pull the car over that first year I wrote, like, in the middle of winter, and I just would start writing on anything I could find, ideas. I just, I don't know what it was. It was almost magic that first year. I wrote both um, The Black Witch and The Iron Flower in one year, It was 1,200 pages of really bad writing, because I have a science and math background and didn't know how to write a book, so I had to learn a lot of stuff, but that's
0: incredible. Record. So you were not a writer. You just needed to write these books.
1: Just a voracious reader. Well, you are now. I guess so. I'm still adjusting to the idea of it.
0: <laughs> Five books in or how many are yeah, you're yeah. you're editing your third official book in the series, but then there are the other two in betweeners.
1: Yeah. yeah I I'm, I never thought I'd get published I think I kind of wrote it because I just had this thing that I had to get off my chest I had all these feelings of being upset I think even after the whole you know the whole struggle here was done and you know there's marriage equality I think I was still so upset by the prejudice that I had witnessed and also just delving deep into just my own upbringing and the way prejudice takes root. You know, having come from a background where I understood that, Mm -hmm. uh, it just really started to, I don't know, I just needed to write about it. And this was a way I had never known could be so powerful to write about something and um, also a lot of fun. And... Yeah, I don't know. I I at the end of the year, I had this giant thousand two hundred page thing. My husband read it, and he was like, you know, you should you should think about getting this published. And I was like, no, that I could never get published. I could never be a real author. And he he found a writing group that had just started up in my little tiny town in the middle of the woods, and I thought that'd be interesting to go and meet other people. And I was really nervous to meet real writers, and it just things happened after that like, the people of the group were like, oh my God, this is a good story. You should. You should tr- learn how to edit it and try and get it published. So,
0: Yeah, you definitely are a natural storyteller. What you're saying is reminding me of what I remember, like, Stephanie Meyer when she was doing those interviews around Twilight. Like, she's been yeah. given such a hard time for not being a great writer, and it's like, but she just was swept up with this idea, <laughs> and just felt compelled to do it and did not expect to publish it and her sister was telling her no no you should publish it and it your story has some resonance to that in a way but i think you're a fantastic storyteller
1: well thank you and uh, yeah i I read twilight too during that time that i was reading all you know all these books um that were out there and i thought they were really really enjoyable and i think she does chemistry extraordinarily well
0: yeah i would agree with that definitely oh goodness what's the next book called
1: I I think it's going to be the shadow wand, but we haven't completely decided on it.
0: Mm, That's a good name.
1: My my imprint picks fantastic names, so I've been pretty happy.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to this thing about being a dentist. (laughs) You are working right now as a professional dentist.
1: I am. I usually kind of separate the two worlds. They're very different. It's kind of a nice balance because they're very, you know, right brain, left brain type of thing.
0: Do you find yourself like, I don't know, you're drilling on a tooth and you get an idea for your novel popping into your head?
1: I'm, I'm, I'm very focused when I'm doing this so it's what's nice is it's a whole different type of focus when I leave here and in the evening is when I write and in the morning I get up at 5 a.m every morning and I write wow
0: so that's your schedule get up at 5 a.m write, and then go be a dentist all day and then do the, the kids
1: stuff dropping them off yeah, at sports and it's like two full-time jobs but I, I feel very committed to this story I just I really you know I would encourage anybody that wants to try writing an epic story. You know, I would absolutely, um, even with the, you know, the, the non, I, mean, I call it the non-reader controversy mainly, uh, even even the, the controversy uh, issues that I went through, I would still do it again in a heartbeat. You know, it changes your life to try and write any book. And I think um, it brings a lot of people into your life. It makes you a better person if you're open to really um, listening to what other people have to say. So... It's it's kind of magical, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. The whole thing has unfolded. I'm so glad I got to talk to you. I didn't know so much of this, so many of these yeah. pieces of your stories.
1: The book seems like it's popular in Russia now. It's um, out in Spain. It's going to be all over the Spanish-speaking world. It's in Germany. And uh, I get letters all the time from people all over the world that – you know, we're touched by the book's anti-prejudice message. We're really into the you know the romance in it too. But people really want to talk about that, and I've gotten a lot of letters from people raised in, you know, prejudiced uh, cultures, or um, you know, not. I mean, obviously, not. There's no culture that is all bad, but I mean, that, that their culture has prejudiced aspects to it, like like the way I was raised, and they felt like the book really spoke to their struggles, trying to break out of those. Bad ideas so that they wouldn't view other people or other groups as. Other. Other, yeah, which I, you know, I think if anything, you know, is a major point I'm trying to get across in the series is that I think it's dangerous when you start thinking in terms of us and them. Mm -hmm.
0: That comes through really clearly. So it sounds like the series is continuing to blow up and that more and more people are finding it. At some point, would you quit dentistry to be an author full time, or are you just going to carry on doing both?
1: Well, I think, you know, um, there's less money in this than people think. Um. Yes, no,
0: I know. I've spoken to many authors. That was one of the big <laughs> bubbles that was burst in my podcasting life. Is like, oh, yes. authors are not living in fancy mansions, wow. right?
1: You know, certain books that are like major runaway blockbusters or there's movies, but I like what I do, so I don't—even I don't, if that became a possibility, I'm not sure I'd want to leave dentistry. I like what I do, but— um Sometimes I feel like I wish I had, I don't know, two weeks to every week. Cause I really would like to try writing full time as well.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't, you're doing an amazing job doing it part time. It's, quite a i mean these aren't little books no they're not little they are not little no they're fabulous i cannot wait i cannot wait for the shadow wand i will be first in line to get it
1: it's got some surprises i'm curious to see what people will think so we'll see Mm. well
0: two questions one where can people find you online
1: Oh, yeah, um, you can find me online. I'm Lori Forrest. I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm on Facebook, if you um, under Lori Forrest. And I'll, I'll friend pretty much anybody that's not... You know mean, mean, um, but I, you know I find actually people aren't mean. I think I've only been negatively tagged on even on Twitter like three times. I kind of um have had a really good experience with um, getting to know readers and bloggers and fans I, I feel like I feel like the negative ends of things you know they're not there's there's a lot of really great readers and people out there, and I don't want to give the impression that I think I've tried to be clear that I think that people um, being negative because they're trying to advance um, diversity. City and get you know harmful stereotypes out of literature. I think that's actually really awesome.
0: Yeah, their heart's in the right place.
1: Yeah, I think that that sometimes you know you ask nicely, ask nicely, ask nicely, ask nicely. Then then it, there comes a time when you need to bust the door down. And I think some of that's what's going on, and I think it's needed.
0: Yeah, I lied. I said I had two more questions, but I I'm throwing a third one in. Forest, <laughs> you actually live in a forest.
1: Is this true? <laughs> live in the middle of nowhere
0: I live in the woods that is that's the dream I gotta say like being I, being I a, a the, writer of witchy dream. fiction in the woods and so yeah, we, got,
1: we got a lot of Wiccans out here in Vermont oh. they're awesome I bet you do I bet they love your books I have a lot of Wiccan fans yeah and I love Wiccans Mm-hmm. I can see
0: it so is this a pen name nope that's my name You were born, well, are you married? Is that how it turned out? I'm
1: married. We actually um, chose a whole new name because we didn't really, my husband's, my husband's very feminist and neither one of us liked the idea of, I don't know, me taking his name or whatever. So we were like, why don't we pick a whole new name that we both like? And we're both very much environmentalist prone. So we, we chose Forest.
0: Oh, you have a lot of hippie in you, Lori. I got quite a bit of hippie in me. I do. (laughs) What a delight to have you on the Hippie Witch Podcast. <laughs> okay, so clearly you are a woman creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. That is the theme here, and I always end these interviews by asking, what is your one tip for someone who wants to create the kick-ass life of their dreams?
1: Oh, boy. Um, well, super, super hard work, I'd say. Oh, gosh. What would I say? Super Uh, hard
0: work. You are definitely the first person to say that.
1: I'm the first person? You are. Oh, gosh. I would say go positive. Go positive. Go 100% positive. Don't let anybody's negativity keep you from doing what you want to do. And just move forward and just be completely positive and don't stop.
0: I love it. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. This is a great conversation.
0: Indeed, that was a very good conversation. And I clearly have the best job ever. How much would you love to read a book series that you're super into? And then you get to talk to the author. Oh, it's so much fun. It is so much fun. I love what I do. I hope you love it too. And before I let you go, I'm going to play for you something that is out there, out there, but because we're witchy people, we're out there too, so I think you might really like this. It is by an artist, it's a song by an artist named Derek Schmidt. He created the major arcana as music, and it's interesting because he's following the Aleister Crowley Thoth deck. I noticed that some of the song tracks, they're labeled art, adjustment, lust, the aeon, And how do I even explain this? I cut and pasted what he had to say about his music. I feel like it's best said in his own words. So I will read that to you and then I'll just play the song. So he said, Major Arcana is a 22 song cycle that explores the trump cards or Major Arcana of the tarot deck from the fool to the universe. Each card is a meditation on the symbolism within that card as well as my own personal relationship to the card, utilizing samples as a form of sympathetic magic, a mixture of both personal and more transcendent lyric writing, acoustic and electronic arrangements in combination with lush harmonies major arcana has become a set of exploratory rituals attempting to capture the wisdom of each card for myself and for everyone what a cool description he's using sympathetic magic and ritual to create an audio tarot deck It's so cool. It's so cool. So we have to start with The Fool, right? We're starting with The Fool. We're starting at the very beginning. And if you want to hear the rest, of course, there will be a link to his page over on Bandcamp. Happy almost September. Yay! It's almost time. Fall is right around the corner. Best time of the year. Until we meet again. Much love to you. Peace.